0: You're listening to an Anderson Entertainment production.
1: This
2: episode. We're redecorating the kitchen in fab facts. It'd be very cool if we could maintain our monopoly in the randomizer. And that Jeremy Hitchin, well we could
0: drag him away. Thank goodness for that. That's all coming up in Pod 151. Of the Jerry Anderson Podcast.
3: Let's get started.
1: Let's go. Spectrum is green.
0: The Jerry Anderson Podcast with Jamie Anderson and Richard James. I feel what, yeah, what No, what, d- what? no are Go on. I feel it's, it's a fresh start. We've got 150 behind us, haven't we? Yeah, done. See? So this uh, this could be considered a fresh start, couldn't it? That's sort of what I was going to
4: say. It was happy, uh, happy new, new yeah, new fiftieth yeah. uh, quarter of something. Anyway, that's look, right. It's the 151st podcast, which means we're four-ish, five-ish uh, away from our actual three three-year anniversary. Oh, really? Three
0: of doing this yeah. podcast good well oh. good someone Goodness had to me. that is true I don't, I don't know what I'm going to get
4: you for our third
0: birthday but uh, uh... oh are you going to get me something I, I mean that's news <laughs> that is true, Jerry Anderson news right there. I I'm should... getting something from Jamie for our third year anniversary podcast. I, I should have saved episode. it
4: for later, but uh, oh, yes, for the news, yeah.
0: Anyway, look, uh, three years mm. doing the same old
4: stuff, so by now, on should know exactly what we're doing, but why don't yes. you elucidate newbies and those who aren't sure what's coming up with a list of things that are coming up?
0: Yeah, okay. I mean, I say it's like a brand new start and it's like starting again, but we, essentially it's the same podcast. Oh yeah! Really? Same so, old stuff. Uh, we've got uh, yeah, fab facts coming up in just a moment. Of course, we've got some Jerry Anderson news because there's always exciting stuff happening in the Jerry Anderson universe. Uh, we've got Chris Dale coming along with his amazing randomizer. A little later on. And of course, we've been hearing from our Podstrons who've been emailing us at podcast at jerryanderson.co.uk. They've been hashtagging us, Jerry Anderson Podcast, over on Twitter. And they've been posting on our Facebook group, Facebook.com, forward slash groups, forward slash Podstrons. And if that wasn't enough, we've also got the second part of Jamie's interview with Jeremy Hitchin. Ah, uh, the lovely Dr. Neinstein himself, yes, back
4: for yes. a few gags, a few uh, anecdotes, and a few tender of moments, too. Lovely. Look forward to all of that. Who doesn't like a tender moment? Uh, oh, I rich. love a tender moment. <laughs> they sound like a, a, a sweet or something, don't they?
0: They do. Do you know what I hate about the moment? Those, uh, have you seen the, uh, the I think it's Werther's Originals, their new marketing campaign here in the UK, hmm. What's Your Little Piece of Warmth? Oh, Isn't that awful? I mean, that's awful. Is, what? Little Piece of Warmth?
4: Yeah, that sounds I mean, a bit uh, unsanitary, it like doesn't something- it?
0: does rather doesn't it
4: <coughs> anyway yeah. sorry about you know that what? i'll give you a, a, a fab fact before we get into the main fab fact here oh come on um, yes that um were originals were
0: dad's absolute favorite sweet or candy for our north american listeners now, you see, I have a strange sense of deja vu now that we've covered this already. We've done so many podcasts and we, we talk so much rubbish that I think we might have already covered this. I might have already told that story about Little Piece of Warmth because I have a feeling that you then responded with the fact that it was your dad's favourite sweet.
4: Well, these things oh, happen dear. when you've done this many podcasts. We repeat ourselves. I yeah. mean, what else can I tell you? He'd, he'd pick them up from the garage on the way home from Pinewood and then would often oh. eat an entire bag in one evening. Now, I think that's new information. Yeah, which there. I, I yeah, think great. probably contributed to his diabetes, I have to say. Oh. So, listeners, okay. there's something we can all learn and do better. Don't eat a whole bag of Werther's original every day.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure even the manufacturers of Werther's, well, I suppose it's Werther's, isn't it? Even they wouldn't suggest that you would do such a thing. Probably not. Okay, well, there we go. I want to try a bag of Werther's unoriginals. <laughs> <laughs> do, they just, do they just taste like every other sweet? <laughs> Well, this is the sort of gag
4: and and, uh, toffee-type nugget that people come to the Joe Hanson podcast for. But let's get us back on track. Oh, yes. Go on, then. With Fab Facts. Now, time for this week's Fab Facts. So you're getting two Fab Facts this week. Uh, One was the Werther's original Fab Fact, but also a randomly appointed Fab Fact from the book of Fab Facts, where I will flick through Richard will shout-fab at a random point, and then I will read you a Fab Fact from the page where we stop randomly. Are you ready, Richard James? Ready. Are you ready, Potteron? Ready. I thought you might be. (laughs) Here we go. Fab! Mm. Mmm. Ah. I think you're going to like this one. Oh, right. Okay. Let's start by talking about you. Oh,
0: yes. I love it already. (laughs) This is my
4: favourite. Richard James. Yeah. Can you confirm to me, Mm -hmm. is it true or not, that the life of an actor is
0: not always easy? Oh, that's cheered me up. It is. Uh, it's... that's true. Yeah.
4: And can you also confirm to me that there are, in fact, times when you may have to take on work that um, maybe isn't something you really love, but it's there just in order to make ends meet?
0: Yeah, all right. Well, don't rub it in. Well, yes, that, Yes, that's true as well. I've done a bit of that, yeah. I thought so. Well, today's fan Fact concerns the
4: between roles of uh, a much-loved and much-missed member of the Century 21 family, Mr Ed Bishop. Oh, yeah. So, this might make you feel better, possibly, about your uh, your own career and roles.
0: <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm enjoying this quite as much as I hoped I would. Uh, let's see if we can
4: change that. Uh, when acting projects we were thin on the ground, Ed Bishop would often fall back on building work and interior decorating and things like that. Yeah. Unfortunately, after UFO, acting work was very thin on the ground for him in the UK. People seemed to think that after playing a leading man, he wouldn't be so interested in the kinds of smaller roles that had been his bread and butter until UFO. Mm -hmm. When, of course, he would have been if anybody had offered him any. Uh, Of course. So in the early 1970s, Ed moved back to the States to see if things uh, might go better for him out there. Unfortunately for Ed, that turned out even worse because now he found himself as just another American actor in a country that was surprisingly full of them. Uh, Whereas in the UK, he had at least been part of a network of the sort of renter-yank group who were regularly needed by British producers. Um, In fact, his American experiment seems to have only yielded two roles. A voice in an episode of the animated Star Trek. Seen it. And the villain... I'm sure you'll have seen this too, in a yeah. sexploitation film named Pets, uh, also <laughs> known it. as Submission. Hmm. <laughs> yep. He was so embarrassed by that film that he finally decided to come back to England to be greeted by a chorus of, Ed, where have you been? We've so oh. much work. <laughs> That you could have had here, we could have kept you busy for the rest of your life. Great. And ironically, a call from the producers of Star Trek asking where he'd gone because they wanted him back for more episodes. Oh. Poor Ed. Curses. But while Ed was living in New York, he continued his building and interior decorating work. One evening, he was in an apartment in the Bronx wallpapering a kitchen, and the family, who consisted of a couple and their teenage daughter, went into the other room to watch the TV. Ed continued working and then stopped as he heard some familiar music coming from the other room. (laughs) He put his head round the door and there on the screen was Commander Straker and the rest of Shadow rolling out for another adventure. Great. Now, we don't know what Ed did next but he always seemed like pretty, uh, a pretty humble man. So he probably yeah. chose to keep quiet rather than burst into the room and start pointing at the TV like a madman. You never know. If the, fa- if the family were fans of the show and hadn't recognized Ed for all the time he'd been working in their kitchen, then they were probably never going to now. So. <laughs> yeah, and of course, he didn't have the iconic Straker wig on, so oh, I guess that's maybe why they didn't recognise him. Oh. I don't think that was part of his, his building garb.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um,
4: so presumably, Ed chose to keep working, finished the job, got paid, and then left with the family completely unaware that the star of one of their favourite shows had been wallpapering their kitchen.
0: <laughs> oh, sweet. <laughs> yeah, that is nice. So... Yeah. Richard James, this begs the
4: question, since becoming an actor, a thespian, (laughs) what is the worst job that you can speak about that you've taken in
0: that time? Uh, The worst job? Oh, well, if you live in Scandinavia, then around about the turn of the century, 2000, 2001, you might have got a call uh, at about 10 o'clock at night, your time, from someone wanting to know all about your newly installed parquet flooring. How you rated it, how you were enjoying the experience of having the flooring in your apartment, right? And if you would recommend it to your fellow Scandinavians, right? And that person might have been me. (laughs) What? I've done it. I've worked a few call centres in my time. I remember that was that was a call I had to make several times.
4: But that's really specific. What? Well, you did ask. Did you not have to speak?
0: You know, Swedish no, no, no. or Norwegian no, or something. No, because they speak it. They all speak English, don't they? Because they're all much more, you know, sort of hyper intelligent than we are. Yeah, that's true. Fair enough. Yes, yes. So yeah, I've, I've had my share. I've uh, I've had an interview to work in a crematorium. Didn't get it. I mean, you know, even even when I wasn't auditioning for active work, I still got rejected. Wow. So you can't win. No, yeah. but you can't. But uh, do you know what used to bring me solace was a very similar story. I remember hearing about Nicholas Courtney, who played the Brigadier in Doctor Who, of course, under John Pertwee and uh, Tom Baker he would take building work between series mm. so it's very easy as you say to think well he's playing a leading role in a tv show he he must be rolling in it or the work must be coming in well that's not always the case sometimes you've got to pay the bills well didn't you tell me that uh, ray winston
4: on space Bridge yes. hadn't even been working as a cabbie that's right
0: role? exactly ray winston yeah there and you i you know i've even had to work for, for big finish <laughs> i know it's true. Yeah, that. funnily it's enough, that bad. just
4: saying that may have uh, ah. stopped that having to happen in the future, I right. see, suspect. Oh, but um, dear. good to know. <clears throat> okay. There yeah. you go. So <laughs> There you go. The the highs and lows of, uh, of Ed Bishop there, um, yeah. including wallpapering a kitchen and not being ah, recognised. That's great. It's nice. amazing, you know, the secret lives that people live. Anyway, yes. that brings us to the end of this week's... Ed,
0: fact. Oh that's yeah, a lovely story. I remember once going up to pick a pick a bit of furniture up from someone's house, and uh, they, were show- they had the Misty Show, which was a show I did on oh, yes. in their living room. As I was picking up a little chaise long, yeah, that was fun. Did they recognise you? Uh, they did. Well, only because I, unlike uh, Ed Bishop, I did jump into the room, pointing and saying, "It's Ew, me! That's it's me!" me no, on the I, telly. no, I didn't. I didn't really. I didn't. Anyway, uh, mm. people have been emailing us in. Would mm. you like to hear some emails, Jamie? Oh, I'd love nothing more than that. I thought so Steve for example got in touch to say hi chaps here's a random thought Jamie have you ever thought about getting a real mole for your farmstead I know it'll make holes in your lawn but hey small price to pay for a great anecdote mind you it might be easier to get a firefly or get an aquarium for a stingray okay I'll stop now all the best Well, Steve Steve, it's funny you should mention that because I have
4: just taken delivery of a new tractor Mm -hmm. I say Uh, new it's a 1970s tractor Great. But it's new to me and uh gosh, I think we might call it Thunderbird Seven.
0: Oh I like it. Please paint that on and uh post a picture <laughs> on Twitter. We've right, got to fine. see it. We'll do. Done. And Chris got in touch to say, Dear Jerry Anderson podcast, I wanted to share with the Jerry Anderson universe that the conservationist and TV presenter Chris Packham has done some videos on behalf of the National Autistic Society about employment and the way we're ignoring the talents of autism. Quite right, uh, uh, Chris. And uh, yeah, we welcome all here, of course, at the podcast. He says they can be found at www.nas.org.uk forward slash Chris. He then goes on to say my favourite Jerry Anderson shows were Space Precinct and New Captain Scarlet. And I can just about remember watching the reruns of Thunderbirds on BBC2. I know Richard likes to speak about Space Precinct. I don't know where he's got that idea. No, never Uh, mentions it. Chris says, no, it was a TV show ahead of its time and should be rebooted. And I found this Space Precinct merchandise, a figure of Officer Haldane, in a stall at Plymouth Market. Only cost me three quid and it'll be staying in its packaging. Quite right too ian got in touch to say hi richard and jamie just a couple of quick questions have you interviewed the voice actor who played joe 90 and did jerry have a final say as to the look and character of his puppets and by the way really enjoyed the jerry anderson day watched all of the shows on networks Nineteen. great to see most of them in high definition and the color version of xl5 well done to all involved ps i've just ordered terror from the stars and cd i can't wait and that's regards from ian so well i mean there, there is there any interview with uh The actor who played Joe 90. Anywhere? Have we ever heard that?
4: All that we've ever heard is a local radio station uh, recording, which is on YouTube. If you search Uh for Len Jones, Joe 90 interview. And um, they were talking about Joe 90 and allegedly he called in and said, you know, oh, yeah, that was Uh me. I mean, you couldn't possibly tell from the voice. Obviously, you know, Joe Joe's voice on the show was, you know, pre voice broken. Uh, period and yes. this this bloke who gets on the radio says yeah hello this is Len Jones sir uh, yeah I played Joe <laughs> 90 yeah I did some recordings right. I mean so really we don't actually know it was him <laughs> now Len does pop up from time to time on social media and we have asked him before about an interview uh-huh. multiple times very nicely yeah. and we generally get ignored so I have a feeling yeah, it's not okay. something he wants to talk about which is totally yeah. fair enough so yeah. Len we wish you well you're out there somewhere if you ever change your mind do let us know podcast at JerryAnson.co.uk."
0: Absolutely right. And, and did Jerry have any final say as to the look and character of the puppets? I'm a, I would assume so.
4: Oh, absolutely, yeah. As, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah, all the all the way through, you know, it, it, he would offer, mostly trust the team and obviously the team did an amazing
0: job, but uh, he had veto if required. Yes. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, Greetings, gentlemen, says Dom. Thanks for reading my previous email. I've gone back to listen to the old pods, Oh <laughs> dear. especially to listen. Yeah. To the Sophia Miles, Wayne Forrester, David Tremont, John Glenn, Ray Earle and Catherine Shell interviews. Sophia was lovely to hear talking about the 2004 film. She was uh, of which her, Yeah. She, Ron Cook and Richard Curtis being the best thing about that film. Richard Curtis? What is, he, what is, he, what is, he, is he an actor? Or
4: did he have something to do with the writing? He rewrote it? Re- re- it, didn't he? Or he, well, he wrote I some of the no gags, idea. I think, yeah.
0: I see, very good. Uh, Wayne, talking about how he got the job on Space Precinct and Scarlet was interesting. And every time he opens his mouth, all I hear is Captain Scarlet. Uh, David Tremont was amazing as well. Uh, as such an interesting career, yet so humble about it. John Glenn's stories from the sets of the Bond films were both hilarious and informative. Uh, Ray Earl shares my love of original Scarlet with so much passion. And Catherine, talking about her life moving from Hungary, getting the job on *On Her Majesty's Secret Service and working on set with Martin and Barbara on Space 1999. Also, really enjoying the interview with Lumna Kerr. You always have fantastic guests and the natural banter between you guys is brilliant. I have a question further to the one you kindly answered last time. If... It is something I feel strongly about. Uh, Is it worth me writing to ITV as a fan to put pressure on them to consider an HD release of Thunderbirds and Stingray or will it fall on deaf ears? Thanks for keeping me sane. Sorry, it's been a long email. Stay safe from Dom. P.S. Listen to Fab Live. John Coleshaw and Genevieve Gaunt are Parker, Jeff and Penelope. Yes, (laughs) quite right, Dom. That's true. So, yeah, is it worth writing a letter to ITV, Jamie? It's so tough. I mean, we, you know, mm.
4: we're putting pressure on the decision makers already—the yeah. the people who make the decisions. Now, if you email into ITV, probably it'll go to their con- sort of general consumer products team, who will send you back a general thanks for the suggestion. Nothing at this time. We'll pass it on. Yeah. Whether it'll be passed on or not, I don't know. Yeah. But you know, every time we get messages like this, it just adds to our kind of our bank of evidence that it's in high demand. So we will keep yeah. pushing as much as we can. It certainly won't do any harm writing in. Uh, because you never know sometimes you might just get the right person at at ITV on the consumer team who says right I'm going to do something about this so yeah Mm. go ahead drop them a line um, but we'll keep doing it too and hopefully between us all we'll eventually get a proper release in the
0: UK because it seems
4: completely ridiculous that there isn't one
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're right. And finally, for now, the debate rages on uh, oh, concerning the uh, master elevator car crashes from uh, oh, trapped in the does, sky. I think it was. It? Yes, uh, I mean I just picked one email out of seemingly hundreds that we got about this. Uh, and this is from Jack, who says, "Hi, that whole crash scene was an accident shortly before Thunderbird 2's arrival." Scott tells Virgil to unload the master elevator car with two radio-controlled subsidiaries, three cars total, and we see three cars total lined up on the run. Way awaiting the arrival of Fireflash. This would not be the case if one of the three unloaded cars had crashed. Where did this phantom fourth car come from? That being said, it's been a long time since I watched Trapped in the Sky. Maybe I'm missing something. In regards, Jack. I mean, there's a whole load of extra stuff there. I think, they just, I think they had more in the pod and
4: they just deployed additional ones yeah. after the crash. But, you know, you look at the emails that we've had about this. It's, it's quite yes. astonishing, you know, quite yep. long feces about oh, the whole yeah. thing and stated with equal confidence by one party that it's car number three and then by another that it's, car, <laughs> it's, it's the master car. So, <laughs> that's right. you know, I don't think we're ever going to know the truth because, you you know, both have got really compelling cases. So, yeah, it's just going to be one, <laughs> one of those mysteries. Unless you can solve it, of course, by Can you? Oh, oh finally, once and <laughs> for all,
0: yes. Uh, do let us know and uh, send in anything else to podcast.gerryanderson.co.uk and I shall endeavour to read out your emails next time. Please do endeavour. I'm going to endeavour
4: to give you some Jerry Anderson news. How do you feel about that?
0: Oh, great. I'm very excited about that.
4: Then here comes some Jerry Anderson news. It's the Jerry Anderson news, 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 news. That's quite right. So let's get straight in with this. Yes, it's the Jerry Anderson news, and let's get started this week with, uh, well, I'm going to get started by telling you, I'm going to save the best for last, something that you'll like, Richard, uh, mm. because you know about it, and uh, well, all will be revealed. Ooh. But first up, if you are looking at those lovely Backman plastic model kits, Thunderbirds ones, Thunderbird 2 is gone. There are no more Thunderbird 2s. There is a Thunderbird 2 launch bait and the transparent Thunderbird 2, but the standard Thunderbird 2 model is out and we don't expect it back until August this year. Thunderbird 1 is going the same way. There are 14 left in the warehouse and uh, we don't expect any more before August. So if you're looking to get a Thunderbird 1 from Backman and you want to make it before August, well, you know where to go, shop.gerryanderson.co.uk. While you're there, you may experience some improved speed. We've been doing a lot of development work in the background. The store should run faster for you. It should be easier for you to find stuff. Let us know your experience. Podcast at And while you're there... Exciting. Well, you might want to join Anderson Insiders, which has now moved over to the store. It's all built in. You can subscribe there once you're logged in and you are a member of Insiders. You get all your discounts automatically applied. It's all rather nice. Uh, If you want to go there, then go to Anderson a-n-d-r dot slash insiders and uh, you should be able to join from there. Oh,
3: yeah.
4: If you fancy some reading, then Chris Dale's done a rather nice article over on the Jerry Anderson website, gerryanderson.co.uk, about all we know about the mysterious Harlington Straker Studios. Oh, yeah. Uh, another lovely piece from Chris there, which I'm sure you'll enjoy, whether you're a UFO fan or not. If you've ordered Space 1999 stuff from 1612, you may well already be aware that the Suez Canal blockage has Uh, created more and more problems uh, and we've now got a major backlog so there are further delays I'm afraid you should have heard now uh, from Tim or Louise on the store they will let you know but if you haven't had an update just drop us a line support at jerryanderson.co.uk, and uh, we'll give you our best estimate but it's quite a challenging time to be making things and shipping things across the world Uh, so thank you for bearing with us and finally we've saved the best till last haven't we Richard Mm, yes yes Five Star Five, Dad's Answer to Star Wars, which almost went into production in the late 70s and then never quite made it. Well, the dear Richard James, yes. this man here, talking to me now, he's done a novelization. Uh, Robbie Stevens has done a very special reading of the audiobook and we'll be announcing further details, showing you the cover and putting those up for pre-order. You can get a hardback copy and or a CD set from shop.gerryanderson.co.uk from uh, the 5th, so just a couple of days' time. So make sure you're on the mailing list if you want to get uh, alerted of that as soon as it goes live, or just keep an eye on the store. But more details very soon. I think, Podstron, you already know more than a lot of people just because you've listened in here. So thanks for listening. Uh, that is the end of this week's Jerry Anderson News.
0: That was the news! That was the news!
4: Ah, what a lovely lot. Yeah. I mean, you know, every week, what? basically, there's going to be news... Uh, We're never going to have that BBC thing from whenever it was, 1930-something, where today there is no news, and then 15 minutes of piano
0: music, but maybe. That's right. Maybe one day, I don't know. Maybe one day that'll happen. Can't believe it. No, it'll just be you and your Robert the Robot vocoder voice thing. Oh, hang on. There is (laughs) no news. Oh. There is no news right thank you uh you're listening to the jerry emerson (laughs) podcast as if you needed to know that you can subscribe to us of course on whichever platform you listen to us on and that will make sure that you uh, receive every new episode as it appears uh you can leave us a nice review and a rating let us know what you think and uh, of course you can copy and paste the links all over your socials so that your friends can hear us too that would be great now yeah do that yeah wouldn't it be good over on our Facebook group facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash podsterons Robert Pells posted a picture of a church in Reykjavik saying is it me or did Thunderbirds have something to do with this church in Iceland and you'll only know what he's talking about if you join our group and have a look Earl Black said what did SPA mean again was it Space Precinct Affirmative Space Police Affirmative absolutely Earl Black you're spot on there uh, Jonathan Bell just been watching Thunderbirds I Go and Thunderbirds 6 which one do you prefer
4: hmm uh, ooh, Thunderbirds Are Go I think mm. I mean okay. you know that. Yeah. I, I'm not a huge fan of either of the films I have to be completely honest there are some lovely yeah. bits in there and some great effect sequences but yeah okay. I, I think an episode over a film for me
0: uh, Scott posted uh, Thunder Chocks Are Go these were done by my wife what do you guys think of that and he posted some pictures and videos of some lovely Thunderbirds themed chocolate bickies oh. uh, Robert Cassidy <laughs> Bargain of the week, if not the year. My dad found this in a PDSA shop for two pounds. Uh, it's a Stingray Marineville headquarters toy. Yep, you read it right. Two whole English pounds. Not only is it in fantastic condition, but as an added bonus, it had Stingray, the fish, and all the figures bar phones inside the box too. Just goes to show, even in the age of eBay, there are still bargains out there if you remain vigilant. Yeah, absolutely, Robert. That looks fantastic. Uh, do let us know what's the best bargain you've found. Gerry Anderson themed toy bargain or uh, been a costume or even a prop from a show i don't know what's the biggest jerry anderson bargain you've ever seen online or in a store and finally Matty keskivari posted top gear is having a rerun again here in finland and today the season five episode with cliff richard was on looks like his anderson connection goes beyond his contribution to the first thunderbird movie his past cars include a ford thunderbird <laughs> and a corvette stingray how about that nice nice yeah, great spot, Matty. So, yes, do join our uh, Facebook group if you're of a mind to, because they have a, a lot of fun over there. It's a lovely community. And I have to say, over the past year, they've done a lot of good uh, keeping each other's peckers up. Uh, so uh, more power to them. Absolutely, yes. Nice to have such a lovely
4: group, lovely bunch Indeed. being so nice. Uh, yeah. When it's so easy for the internet and social stuff to go all, horrible uh, all and toxic. But... Well, we won't have any of that. Nah, we? never. Not allowed. Never. Too no. positive. Rich James, is there anything else you would like to uh, deliver before we return to the world of Terrorhawks? No,
0: that'll be it for now, but a little later on I'll be reading out some tweets and also some YouTube comments too. Oh, cool, I can't wait for those. Well,
4: we'll have to wait because we've got yes. Jeremy Hitchin, he's back. Great. Well, Einstein uh, the clone had nine lives, but Jeremy Hitchin has got three parts, as it turns out, and this is the <laughs> second of those parts. Great. <laughs> oh, dear. Yes, Jeremy's back with more tales of uh, fun and laughter from the world of Terrorhawks and beyond. Plenty of uh, anecdotes, and uh, I'm going to hand over before the dog drowns me out with the barking. Over to you, Jeremy. <laughs> your Your day job was a publishing. Oh, yes, same. my day job.
5: I was selling advertising space <laughs> yes. to... Uh... I worked on a magazine called Micro Decisions. So I was selling advertising space to, you know, computer companies, software companies, peripheral manufacturers, all that sort of stuff. And then when this uh, job arrived, I said to my boss, listen, I'm, I'm going to have to take, you know, a couple of days off a month uh, because I'm recording this program. Uh, and it's a Jerry Anderson production and Christopher Burr and blah, bitty, blah, 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 blah. And, of course, they loved it because... Mm. They thought, oh well, he's going to be slightly in the limelight, or although I never really was. So they give me the, the time off, and uh, and uh, Ann Riddler would meet me at the end of the road. Of course, we played Sistar, and give me a lift because I didn't have a car, couldn't drive. I was only about twenty-one. I was just a boy, <laughs> and uh, off we go and have a, a great time. And and I, you know, got very pally with Windsor Davis when, uh, and always, I, <laughs> yes, that I remember. Is. <laughs> yeah, the Brave Studios had like a subsidised bar in it and and at lunchtime you know um, other of the cast members would go off and talk about their wonderful show they did at the Roundhouse Darling and you know at the Globe and all of this and I didn't have any of that going on so Windsor Davis would always say come on Katie you and me is going the really bar," well. and um, we'd go and sink about four or five pints of Stella Artois oh. and <laughs> And oh. so I can't remember recording <laughs> i was a kid, you know, and I didn't know how to drink like these people so uh, but i you know i obviously got through it um uh, but it was Just. always a, a, a great adventure and windsor was a you know it was a lovely bloke great fun yeah
4: well they i mean it seems like they were it was a friendly crowd you know they were, it, i i guess windsor was probably slightly removed in a in a sense although clearly kind of took you under his beery scented wing um <laughs> but it, 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 everything i hear it feels like it was a positive happy group
5: oh it was very um uh, denise Breyer, who you know is just one of the world's loveliest people uh, Anne Ridler, riddler sadly uh, not with us anymore uh, and robbie stevens uh, we're still great friends you know we're i spoke to him now. about a week ago and uh, and we do you know we've constantly been in touch and obviously we had uh, we, we got together during captain scarlet as well so uh, that was great. Yeah, it was. The, the only the only difference with Windsor Davis and the rest of us is Windsor Davis could only do Windsor Davis. Oh,
4: well, and and uh, Indian Windsor Davis.
5: He did do that, and I I sort of am a little bit embarrassed when I think about that because it was so stereotypically sort <laughs> yeah. of. But again, 70- it
4: was it was the time. It was you know. Things have changed, and you know for the better. But it, it, I don't think there was nobody was setting out to offend anyone.
5: Oh no, no, uh, no, no, certainly not. Uh, but he, yes, I, I, I will never forget the zeroid That was a an Indian doctor in the <laughs> terrible. Uh, oh my gosh. Well, anyway, there we are.
4: <laughs> Which I thought I'm sure we brought him back for just a little token line in the audio series. But we can we can talk about reviving the audio series a little bit later on, Jazz. Yes. Yes. Um, so in terms of your experience of being involved from from right at the start, you know, things like Neinstein, I've got photos of the original puppet. He had grey bits of hair on the side, but he was bald, the original, original, original one. That's right. He looked a bit more like Dad, actually. <laughs> he did, actually. So, But from the point you were d- involved, character designs were changing. The tone of the show was changing. You know, you, you watch the first two episodes now. They're kind of dry. There's a kind of f- flat, Kind of humourless element to to them, and I, I love loved as well, you know. But as it as it went on, it really seemed to find its its feet. Kind of mid series one, end of series one, you have got the more comedy coming in. What was that like for you?
5: Yes, it was, and I, I remember I remember one of the earliest f- when, when I I could see uh, in the script how this show was developing. Because as you say, expect yeah. the unexpected. The first two episodes were. You know, they were introducing us to Zelda and to you know all the characters and Mary and all of that sort of stuff. So I kind of get that and the whole setup of the White House. And but I remember uh, Hero had been down on Earth for a bit, and uh, then he, you know, rocketed himself up to um, the space station. Hawk, Hawk, Sky. space <laughs> hawk, space hawk. Thank you, thank <laughs> you. Too so. many hawks. Fair enough. And, of course, he, Lieutenant Hero used to look after uh, some flat of plants. Yeah. And the line, what was the line? He, kind of, he came in and went, oh, hello, Lantana. Hello, Cassandra. Oh, you look beautiful. Oh, no. Great. Uh, glean fry. Yes. <laughs> so- <laughs> Which,
4: again, now... You think, oh, well, that's uh, that's you uh, out of a job there. Uh, thank you very much, Jeremy. Goodbye.
5: That's <laughs> you in jail. Yes, yes, yeah. Uh, but it was. I mean, they were. You know, but that that was that that was when the the, the sort of humour was starting yeah. to come into it. And to be fair, out of all of the shows your your dad did, and indeed you did, it, it was the funniest, wasn't it? It was oh, the only yeah. one that really had humour at the base. Because
4: yeah, I mean, Dick oh, Spanner's the next, but that was really pun driven, whereas there was, I think there was much more kind of mixed child and adult humour really in in Hawks over time.
5: Yes, yeah, I think so. Um, 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 And, you know, some of the, I mean, Zelda herself, I mean, whilst a lot of kids were watching that show, might have been a little bit, you know, frightened by Zelda because she looked so hideous, but she was funny.
4: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially
5: absolutely. with her earrings and all, <laughs> and all of that. You know, she was. So she was. Strange. was a, ah. You know, all of that. She was. Yeah, and young star, ridiculously. Yes.
4: Yeah. I mean, to to treat those villains as anything other than pantomime feels odd, especially now. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, that was part of the joy of the whole show was the the surreal ridiculousness of it. And how did it compare? your actual your expectation based on watching things like stingray and thunderbirds i mean it was obviously a lower a lower budget show a very different style different vibe so was it what you were expecting or was it a bit of a kind of oh this is different but that's fine
5: i not having done or worked on a project like that i had i, I don't think i had any expectations i thought it was you know read the script get some ideas for new characters that come in uh, try them out see how they go and let's just i, I think we winged it yeah. we winged it all of us <laughs> uh, just you know again like when we did the the, the episodes with the the you know the audio yeah. uh, episodes again it was the it was atmospherically i think exactly the same i mean obviously m- the majority of the 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 you know the voiceover people were the same crew yeah. with Denise and, and Robbie and me, and then Beth that uh, did a, a spectacular job. I think she was a great addition. She fitted um, in perfectly. Lovely gal, and uh, yeah, I mean it was well. You were there. We had such a blast. I all. was indeed, and it was great fun. It was, um, it was great fun, and that's how. I mean, hopefully the the end product came out okay, despite my. <laughs> <friend>. <laughs>
4: <laughs> no, I, I mean I'm 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 really super proud of the Terrorhawks audios thing, and we we will come back to those post uh, post scar if we keep on going chronologically. So just sort of rounding off the Terrorhawks experience, Jess. Yeah, Dad Dad directed you, did he, on the audio sessions? Is that right, or did you have somebody else directing? Was it Was it the episodic directors? I can't remember. No, no,
5: no. It was your dad.
4: Yeah. And, and, dad. and how how was he as a director? And you you know you should say this freely and not as if you're speaking to his son.
5: <laughs> um, I know honestly, I got on great with your dad. I really, in fact, I've um, there's a, there is a, a Dick Spanner story, um, I'll tell you with regard to Shane Rimmer. Um, mm. I think you know, but it was interesting and it was fascinating. I'll tell this story and then you can,
4: yeah, yeah, yeah.
5: go for leave it, will it lose it. <laughs> but, but no, I got on great. He was very gentle. Uh, he's as a your dad is obviously a creative and therefore he. You know, he never pushed his ideas on that I remember on you. He just said, "What do you think?
6: Mm.
5: Where do you want to go with that?" And then he'd yeah. say, I, "I like it or I don't like it."
4: Absolutely, freedom to and, try. Uh,
5: and you know, and he, it, it was one of those situations where if he didn't like it, which I don't actually remember <laughs> ever happening. I don't. I don't know. That sounds, you know, but you know, <laughs> but it's true. I, you know, he it would never be in a your crap type way mm. it would always be a yeah yeah you know let's say take that let's move it over here and, and he it was just gentle he was yeah. gen- i just remember you know if somebody said what what would your one word be about Jerry Anderson i'd say gentleman
4: well what but a no, fine no, compliment
5: no, no i mean it i mean it absolutely yeah. so yeah, yeah al- although i mean he's he was no he was no walkover no Uh, And that's the story where, obviously, when Dick Spanner happened, Shane Rimmer was doing The Voice, and it was only a little five-minute Channel 4 show. Mm. And I think there was one line needed changing, and your dad phoned Shane Rimmer and said, listen, I need this line changing, and Shane Rimmer said, okay, that's fine, but it'll cost you 750 quid, which was an insane amount of money even then I mean it's an insane amount of money now and Jerry said well you know this is this is this is just a fun project I mean there isn't that kind of dough on this there just isn't so and because he was the only voice he was the only guy who could do it so that night your dad phoned me up and said would you like to have lunch (laughs) always always so I went down to Bray and we went out for a a pint and a pie, and uh, and he said, you know, I, I, I've been friends with this man for for so long. Obviously, he was the voice of Scott Tracy, and mm. for those people who want to know, Shane Rimmer was. Uh, he was also uh, Roger Moore's. Uh, he was uh, what's his name? The American is uh, Felix Leiter. He was Felix, Roger Moore's Felix Leiter in, in uh, the Roger Moore Bond film. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, he, he, he was a star for sure, but you know, he, he'd sort of tried to put one over on your dad. So your dad said to me, any ideas on the voice for this? So I went, yes, I have actually. And I did it. And then we did the pilot episode, which uh, we showed at the Andacom thing. And, yeah. uh, and then unfortunately channel four, that, you know, didn't they, renew. Didn't, for a five minutes show anymore, they were <laughs> looking for only 30 minutes. So it didn't yeah. happen, but, uh, <clears throat> Bring that back, Jamie. Bring that back. I'm still available. <laughs> He's
4: always gunning for work. That uh, that Jeremy. Yeah, can't have, can't avoid it. No, well that uh, that that episode is on the Dick's Banner Blu-ray if people haven't seen it. And uh, yes, it's um, it's it's a very different time in terms of the humour and uh, jugs jokes and stuff that you wouldn't do now. But it's again, you've got to appreciate it for what it is and for the time. Another
5: day in the big pair.
4: Yeah. Oh, oh. I mean, the big pair. Yeah. I and mean, that's a classic. Uh, a classic spannerism there so so you clearly stayed in touch with that after the end of terror hawks i mean was it was the end of terror hawks a kind of a sad like oh you know i was hoping this would go on and on or was it the the end and like oh you know i've done enough now 39 was enough
5: uh well for me i i just I, I you you know me jamie i love the work mm. i love the work and i have you know to to most directors that i'm and producers and so on i'm probably a pain in the butt because i mess about too much part of the fun got to I, do it. I, I go there to have a good time mm. and i did so when it was over to be frank with you i was absolutely gutted because mm. we, we we were a good team we did have a great time and we we did push out i think uh, a, you know a good a good product at the end
4: yeah oh people remember it very fondly so clearly you know you it's got a very different audience to Sort of the classic supermarination shows, but the huge amount of recognition now—it's really hitting that nostalgia point where, you know, you, you made quite an impact on on kids at the
5: time. Uh, yeah, well, I, I mean, I don't, I don't broadcast it to, to many people, but now and again, it comes up in conversation. Oh, what are your voice? Oh, what have you done? Or so I oh, did. It, oh my god! You know, and there are so many people who are I meet who are sort of in their forties uh, who remember it. <laughs> And fifties who remember it vividly.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
5: So, um, I mean, it, but you know, when, when it, when it first happened, your dad said, look, there's going to be 13 episodes and that's it. And then he came back and said, well, actually it's going pretty well and we've sold it to America. So we have to do some more. Uh, and we think we'll squeeze one more series, which obviously we did. And then one more. So, you know, there was never from our point of view, there was never a, an expectation that it was going to, run to 36 episodes we all thought it was just going to be the 13 so mm. um so you know i'm glad of it it was great you know it's very motivating to say oh we've got another 13 coming up yeah uh, but it was yeah it was sad but yeah. that said we done did it again boy
4: exactly little did you know that uh, all those years later you'd, you'd be doing another 24 of them but uh we will we'll we'll come to that shortly so what took you from 86 through to 2005 then, Jez. Just give me a sort of, you know, a couple of minutes summary of what you got up to in that intervening time and then how you got back in touch on New Captain Scarlet.
5: Well, I, my, my wife has a, a and I have a publishing and a, an events business. Uh, and after that time, we, we launched a magazine called Build It for people who want to build their own homes, self-builders. And we launched a thing called the National Self-Built Home Show, which kept us busy. And we, we ran that for five or six years and in the meantime I have my wife and I have produced four wonderful little daughters uh who I never used to see because I was on the road we had uh, the self-built home show we had one in Alley Pally in London one at GMEX in Manchester one at the SCCC in Scotland and we had like 14 regional little shows to to, to grow the market I was away all the time and uh, my daughter fell over my youngest daughter who's in the next room enough, uh, fell over when she was about two and I went to pick her up and she like who the hell are you and I said to my wife this is this is not what this is about you know we, we can't spend our lives chasing the greenback we've got to appreciate these beautiful little kids and so we basically sold that business and went off to live in Spain because I you know wanted to just be in a nice environment and bond wow. with my kids here but I ended up getting a uh, because the voiceover thing, I went to local radio stations in Spain. There's lots of uh, uh, English speaking stations down there and said, look, you know, I can do voiceovers uh, if you've got commercials and so on. And the first station I went to uh, spectrum FM said, well, why don't you do the breakfast show? <laughs> I went, no, okay. <laughs> so we were to stay in Spain only for a, just a year or so with the kids, but we ended up staying for four and a half, five years. And uh, and I, I became a radio broadcaster, which I, Really loved, but then it was time to come back to the real world. Uh, so we did. We came back and, and moved to Edinburgh uh, in 2000, uh, and then we launched a magazine called Edinburgh Festivals Magazine and set up a thing called Foodies Festivals, which are, is now Britain's biggest outdoor food and drink shows. Uh, so that's my wife's business, and I, I help her a bit with that. Uh, and I, in fact, I'm the compare on the chef's theatre. So and I love cooking. So it, it's it's you know it's not work. It's just fun. And then um, I can't remember, I think, I can't remember how I got the nod on Captain Scarlet. Was it, did Robbie put you back in touch or something? I no, guess. no, I phoned Robbie. Somebody phoned me from, it was one of the directors, maybe was, it, was it David or Mark? Dave
4: Lane or Mark Willard, yeah.
5: Yeah, I think phoned me and said, uh, do you want to come down and have a look at this? Hmm. Uh, and then I, I, so I went down and um, I, I was in the cab on the way to Pinewood or Elstree or where it was Pinewood, wasn't it? Pinewood, yeah. yeah. And um, I phoned Robbie and I said, listen, this has all happened quite quickly, but I'm in a cab on my way to Pinewood Studios to audition for Captain Scarlett, uh, new Captain Scarlet. Get on the case. And mm. he went, right, we'll do. <laughs> So I don't know who, who's his agent or whether he phoned Jerry and. Uh, so I got to Pinewoods and um met with your dad who said, you know, like in the Hawks and in previous shows, we've all we've used such a small crew of voiceover artists for budgetary reasons that that you know people have to do multiple characters. And he said yeah. that, you know sadly you can tell that this voice is the same person as that voice doing these you know things he said so because this is like the most dynamic cartoon ever created at the time i think yeah. it was the most expensive um, it was very CGI. expensive yeah. it's like a million pounds an episode yeah and I know that the I know the budget and voices was about 37 pounds, but the rest of it went to the <laughs> 120 programmers or something. Yeah. But it was a great, great show. And and I think it uh, it didn't, if I may say, it didn't get the uh, praise it deserved because it was it was very well written, it was very well produced, mm. great characters. But Jerry, your dad said to me, Look, you know, I want you, me, to play the baddie. So we're not using the guy who does you know, Captain blue has happened to be Robbie Stevens, you know, we don't want him. He he just needs to be Captain blue.
4: Yeah.
5: And, you know, Colonel white just needs to be Colonel white and you need to be the, because you can change, mix it up a bit. We can bring you back as a new baddie every week, which was great because it, you know, but it was a very, very different. It was a very different atmosphere. It was because there were about 12 of us yeah. in this barn, wherever it was in, sussex or something and yes because you had mark and david directing they were you know your dad would just sort of breeze in and out as a sort of oversight thing yeah but they were very very disciplined these guys and it was not it was not how i was used to so when i start buggering about you know
4: yeah, yeah. all right jeremy we're on the clock here so yeah, can yeah, you yeah, yeah, uh yeah yeah,
5: yeah. Okay, yeah, we'll save that for later. Me, um, yeah. But did you hear the one about that? No, no, I don't want to hear about that one. So, I mean, it's still great fun because, you know, f- for me anyway, I had, you know, I was playing different characters uh, from episode to episode as opposed to, you know, the same one. So there was always a nice little twist for me to use my brain and, and whatnot.
4: Lovely. I mean, it's amazing how different the two productions could be under the same captain, essentially.
5: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But then you know, it it was a bigger crew for voiceovers. It was different directors, Mm. different writers, uh, and it was a very, as we said earlier, you know, it was a Terroks was funny, so there was always going to be quite funny. I think it's very funny, but you know, so it 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 was made in that environment where you know Captain Scarlet, new Captain Scarlet, was quite dark and you know that you know people died and you know things like (laughs) that tougher
4: to have a a, a chuckle over somebody's demise
5: so it was uh you know i think the atmosphere of recording reflected the, you know the seriousness of the show yeah ah
4: jeremy i love jeremy's chuckle (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah what a nice man jeremy thank you for your time more jeremy the final of jeremy's three parts next week uh on pop 152 and Great. we'll get again some really, really sort of tender reflections on uh, Jeremy's time working with Dad and his thoughts on the shows in general. Yeah, and I, I, I'm sure he plugs his uh, his foodies festival thing as
0: well. So um, now, I, yeah,
4: yeah, well, I'm sure he will do. Yes, anyway. quite
0: right Now, I I have a question, Jamie. Do you think it's fair to say that those actors that provided voices for the uh, puppets in the marionette series had more interaction with your dad than perhaps? The live-action actors, and I only say that from my own experience, and I've said this many mm. times before, that during the filming of Space: Pretty I didn't really see a lot of Jerry. He was—he wasn't very often on the set. I seem to remember he did a couple of uh, sort of second-unit shoots. He took took control of those a couple of times, but for the most part, he was in his office, you know, banging the phones, trying to keep the show afloat. Yeah. Uh, and yet, when I hear stories from voice actors from you know the Supermarination series in particular, they always seem to have a very, well, a, a closer relationship with Jerry. Is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, he directed
4: a lot of the voice sessions, particularly on Terror. Yeah. so that's where they, yeah. they worked together a lot there. It varied from show to show, and I think the earlier people were involved on the Super Mario nation side in particular, the more involved they were with him. He sort of, you know, built up the bond over time yes, with repeated, course, yeah. um, repeated jobs and that sort of thing, but also... Yeah, yeah over time you know the team was growing he was becoming uh, you know more of a sort of I guess what it would now be a showrunner or an exec producer role than yeah. necessarily being directly involved yeah. uh, in the day to day so yeah varies massively over time um, yeah. and also I, you know I think he just didn't necessarily get on that well with everyone <laughs>
0: Right, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was a degree enough.
4: potentially of avoiding uh, <laughs> right. talent if they were at all deemed to be difficult. Maybe. What,
0: hang on. what are you trying to say? I'm not saying what, anything about what, you. What? Just a minute. No, 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 not no a word. point taken. Yeah. No, it's interesting. Uh, now, over on Twitter, Nick Jury tweeted earlier today. I listened to Lubna Kerr talking on the Jerry Anderson podcast about life, career, and Joan 90. And I think Lubna is onto something about a jet air car. I'll get behind any politician who backs it. What about it, Nicola Sturgeon? Scotland could lead the way on this. <laughs> that'd be great wouldn't it uh, Lost in Transition tweeted uh, just listening to the first bit of the Jerry Anderson podcast today nice smooth intro from Richard James at the suggestion of Jamie Anderson or as I think I'll call them as of today Jamie Toots Anderson and Richard Jazzy Jazz 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 James <laughs>
4: <laughs> I think uh, like, you should
0: adopt that yeah. Now, over on YouTube, uh, Keith Gooch posted another great episode of the Jerry Anderson podcast with all the usual banter between Richard and Jamie. I love Richard's anecdotes about all the diverse roles he'd auditioned for and didn't get, like a fly and a spoon. Uh, the second part of the interview <laughs> with Lubna Kerr was really interesting and nice to hear another Scottish voice on the podcast. Uh, Ian Dealey said, great interview with Lubna Kerr. I hope she has the uh, Joe 90 on Blu-ray. I've been watching the series during the week of Jerry Anderson Day and the quality is fantastic. Uh, John Clay says, some more content around Doppelganger would be interesting considering a lot from the film reappeared in UFO I greatly admire the heights the film reached and I've watched a lot of behind the scenes from 1965 of all the Century 21 crew being very busy yeah that's a nice uh, nice idea I'm assuming that uh, Chris Dale has made a video at some point along the way about Doppelganger I was going to say if you go on to
4: our YouTube channel <laughs> and watch the Doppelganger primer that's probably a good place yeah. to start because there's some quite interesting yeah. observations in there
0: hmm is there a novelisation by any chance
4: oh no Oh. And I don't think there will be because it's um, it's an M- is it MGM? It's a Universal. Ah, uh, Universal yeah. film. Uh, yeah. And we, we have talked to them before about doing some stuff and they don't seem to be very interested. So, yeah, no, that's enough. that. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, their loss. <laughs> their loss. Yeah, that's what we oh, say to the big studios. Um, <laughs> you're quite right. Now, I've just realised yes. we started this podcast without Chris Dale being here.
0: Oh, God. well, where is he? I thought well, it was
4: quiet. It turns out that, you yeah. know, because I've got one of those fancy doorbells. Yeah. With, with the remote oh. thing. But the battery'd run out. Oh. And poor Chris had been pressing the oh. button and the, it hadn't been ringing because it's run out of battery. And
0: it's been, and it's been pouring down out there as well. I know, he's
4: been sitting outside oh. this whole time. So, Chris, come in. It's time for your randomizer. Here's a blanket. Wrap it around yourself. Yeah. And uh, we'll sit down together and enjoy Chris Dale's marvelous.
2: Randomizer. Oh, hello everyone. Well, I'm afraid I don't really have a proper introduction for you this week. You see, I've asked Kate Kestrel to press the button on the randomizer, but you know, she's a very busy lady. She's on tour at the moment. She did say she would contact me as soon as she had that printout. So, oh, talk of the devil. Go ahead, Kate. Which episode did you get? You what? Sorry, you got what? Oh, okay, right. Thank you. Well, here's Space Precinct. So, welcome back to Space Precinct on the Randomizer, and indeed welcome to an episode that is uh that is chock full of some uh, some rather high highs, but also some very low lows. And I think we kick off with one of the highs, the uh the effects sequences. The uh that's a gorgeous shot of the uh the space station to open this episode. On board this space station is a chap who's um well, he's, he's doing that very clever thing that you sometimes see in, in TV shows and films that I'm never convinced would actually work, where they, in order to get past someone who's watching a security camera, they take a photo of what the security camera sees and put it over the camera so that it, to the person who's who's viewing the, uh, the, the security monitors, it doesn't look like anything's changed. I've never believed for a moment that that would work. I think you'd just get a sort of dark um, slightly fuzzy uh, picture on the screen, which would of course alert the uh, the watching operative to the fact that something is wrong. And something is wrong. Um, a Tarn thief chappy is uh, sneaking into this room in the middle of which is a sort of table thingy well, uh, yeah, a sort of circular table thingy with a great big glowing egg thing floating uh, in the middle of it, but also a a floor with lots of red lines, and he uses a a little eye apparatus to see that uh, some of the tiles on the floor are marked with um, great big red explosion signs, so probably best not to step on those. And this chap's name is Vela Sugoi. And he's doing the thing again with the security camera. And of course, the uh, chap supervising the security monitors doesn't really notice because he's—he uh, seems to be looking at a travel brochure. He's now got this. Uh, oh, he's got this sort of uh, Geordie LaForge visor-type thing to see uh, what panels are best not to step on. And we also now see that the uh, glowing egg thingy is uh, also protected on all sides by uh, sort of infrared. Laser bars, so best not to touch those either. Oh, there's uh, some sort of cold steam type effect coming off this thing. He's now trying to lift it out with his third eye. But he's been caught. little uh, hatch opened up on the wall and uh, he's immobilized. Little beam thing.
3: Very good, Bella.
2: But not good enough. That was Mr. Rodan, the security chief of this, uh, station. Who will also be, a a character we'll be seeing again later on.
3: I'm telling you! It was the greatest crossover rollout I've ever seen. Oh yeah? Then you never saw Fordney play slam ball. Now there was a bumper.
2: Yeah, yeah, so you keep saying. You guys are late. <laughs> well, sorry guys, I don't think he's going anywhere. Hey, I like this element in the... The episode. humidity. It's a recurring thing with uh, Brogan and Haldane. Keep running into these same two. Uh, got me. No idea. Uh, paramedic guys.
3: Homicide. We don't know yet.
2: And they clearly don't get along. This
3: guy. Name's Vela Sugoi.
1: Vela Sugoi, the jewel
2: thief. I thought he went straight.
3: Well, we don't know that he didn't yet. But somebody's got to tell his wife. Rather you than me, Brogan. <laughs> Someone bring her in.
2: Everyone's so helpful at Precinct Eighty Eight. Yeah, it saves time that uh, everyone at Precinct Eighty Eight also knows about Vella. We don't need you, Mr. Rodan. Now in Captain Podley's office.
1: See that this Luxorian ice of yours is worth two billion credits.
2: Billion per cylinder, a total. Mr. Rodan and Miss Newmar have come to. Uh,
1: on the galaxy, that wouldn't be prepared to buy it on the black market.
2: Have a meeting. Yeah it were available.
1: And you want to bring one of these cylinders into my precinct to show it off to the Energy Commission?
5: Yes. Yes, I do.
1: Who do you think would take the fall if anything went wrong? You? (laughs) Somehow I don't think so.
7: Captain, you're overreacting. We wouldn't be taking a risk like this if we couldn't protect our investment.
2: And here we have a problem with this episode.
1: Where the solar tech has its own army.
2: Um, And this is the first example of something that uh, is really going to work against this one.
1: Come in, come in.
2: Both of our main female guest characters are dubbed by other actresses. At least I assume this is. Uh,
1: Major police presence at the Energy Commission tomorrow night. Whether you like it or not.
2: This is not Sheila Ruskin, who plays uh, Newmar, providing her own will own voice.
5: Cooperation. Well, I, I still think it's unnecessary, but I'm, I'm sure we can uh, work something out.
2: As Mr. Rodan has been presented with Castle and Took to assist and uh, he's um, Well, he's clearly very uh, Very grateful for the opportunity to work quite closely with them. And here's our Orin and Romex subplot for the week
7: Yo,
5: Romek, this one looks good Love slam ball Intimate dinners long weekends and other orbits wants a man with a sense of humor steady income and a full head of hair. Well, two out of three ain't bad.
2: <laughs> hey, look who's talking, Mr. Hair Restorer.
5: Oh, come on!
2: That had been established by this point, hadn't it? I
1: don't need this dating agency. I can get plenty of action on my own. Oh, yeah. Oh,
2: no, that was after this. Was that in uh, Two Against the Rock, maybe?
1: Okay, okay. Suppose it won't hurt to take a look.
2: Hmm.
3: Oh, uh, oh
7: man!
2: Well, clearly those two have nothing better to do this week.
7: Where is he? Can I see him?
2: Uh, the thing is, Lindo... He doesn't really have a head anymore. An autopsy? Yes.
7: Oh. Things were going so great for us. Finally. Oh broken! I should have been there. Yeah, I know.
2: Yeah, you really should have been there. You failed him, not me. Mrs. Sugoi, we know this is tough. Yeah, this Tan animatronic head playing Mrs. Sugoi, I believe, has appeared before. She seems to be a lot of sort of grieving widows and uh, old ladies. Of
7: course he was. You guys know that. He's been a legitimate private security consultant since he got out.
3: Do you know who he's working for?
7: Different companies. He never told me I never asked.
2: Oh <laughs> Yes, that's Kate Harper providing the voice of Mrs. Sugoy there, and I'm wondering if she provides the voice of our next Can
6: movie. I have a refill, babe?
2: There she is, obviously dubbed female character.
3: Whatever you want, Celine. You got it.
2: <laughs> mm. Yes, we're now in uh well we're now in steamier surroundings. <laughs> Penthouse apartment. lady wearing well i would have to assume nothing beneath that uh, that uh, bed sheet um doing a full examination on the mouth of mr tom chadbon who i believe is playing a character called max zella
3: oh, Sylvain. So
2: but uh, dr who fans will know him as duggan so i'm just going to call him duggan for this I'm afraid it's just one of those associations I associate that name with this actor no matter what I see him in he's always Duggan but uh, yeah that was a very um, for this show rather steamy scene and uh, fairly
7: fairly inappropriate for
2: a family audience maybe? don't know one of the problems with this show is how um, how wildly it swings from one uh, one emotional extreme and uh, even audience extreme to another I really thought I could help him
6: well you did help Vala. I mean you got him into rehab
2: yeah look what happened
6: <sighs> yeah well you know there's always career plan b i think i'd like to be a shuttle driver's wife
2: oh, do we have supportive sally this week i think we might have supportive sally this oh, week right. as opposed to psychotic through sally which is what we have most of the time and again just for the record i do not blame
3: logical trauma
2: my dislike of sally on nancy paul at all
3: all i found were two marks in this little depression right near the temple well i guess we can rule out natural causes thanks partner
6: dad turn on the news
3: the news you
6: come on
2: Ah, so we're now outside oh there's a
6: protesters are out in force today as Max Zeller, chief executive of the Fusion Power Company, arrives for the final round of meetings with the City Energy
7: Commission. Fusion Power is vying to retain Demeter's lucrative energy franchise.
2: Well, that explained it all for me. I didn't have to...
7: Why are you
3: watching this?
2: ...fill in what was going on there.
7: Hit the sound. Mr. Zeller, do you expect to retain the energy franchise?
2: I wouldn't be here if I didn't. <laughs> Oh, Tom Chadbon has got a, a nice line in there uh, Very smarmy looks to the camera through this
3: in Ten years that my company has held this city's energy franchise Hyperfusion has provided the citizens of Demeter With a level of service unparalleled anywhere in the galaxy
7: Solar tech are claiming that their new luxuriant ice solar power system Will be
6: cheaper, cleaner and safer
3: Talk's cheap But we don't know if luxuriant ice is, do we? Hyperfusion works Pure and simple
6: this is Jane Lovett reporting lo- Man, that guy's so far out of orbit.
1: Solar text is so much... further.
2: Further? Yeah, well, as much as I hate Matt, that's not actually a, a, a difficult piece of kid slang to understand. I mean, you know, I still... If you want to put him in an airlock, I, I, I'm I with you. But,
3: um... I'm perfect, <laughs>
1: It's not
2: that difficult to understand. Anyway, Mr. Rodan... me. Um has apparently had a, a jolly old night on the town. He's been kicked out of a bar and, um, or collapsed just outside the uh, the door actually. Later.
6: Do you need any help? This man's unconscious, get an ambulance.
2: Ah. The naughty old lady we saw in bed with Duggan earlier is um, is with Mr. Rodan. And I don't know why I called her old old lady because she's not.
3: we have got to stop meeting like this, Lieutenant. Hey! Tell you what, you get people to stop dying, I'll stay home. That's where most people buy it, Lieutenant.
2: Can we have a show about these two guys? So he bought you a drink?
3: Yeah.
6: We talked for a while, then I went to freshen up. He was gone when I came back, so I just left. And then I found him lying there, never even got his name.
7: Do you, uh, mind if I scan your ID? Strictly routine. You do it for everybody.
6: Not at all.
3: Haldane.
2: Yes, this is Sylvain, who, um. Wait,
3: if I need anything else, I'll let you know.
2: Is a rather, um, problematic character for this episode, despite being the main villain. Oh, spoiler alert. I'm sorry if you didn't uh, already twig that. I
3: think I've got everything I need name, address. Haldane, your brain's supposed to be located above your waist, remember?
2: You're assuming I have a brain. Mm-hmm. Oh. Come take a look at this. Point to Haldane against Haldane.
3: But another one? Who is this? Name's Rodan. He's head of security at Solar Tech. You better get in there and see if they got a security camera. Yeah.
2: So they evidently didn't know that Rodan had already had a meeting with Podley.
3: This is her, huh? Yep.
1: She's meeting me here tomorrow. Right after our shift. My man! Whoa! You are hot!
3: Boy, <laughs> oh, this Rodan guy's real fine.
2: Now Slow Mo and Haldane are reviewing surveillance footage.
3: Anything? Um, no, hi. Huh? Came in, had a few drinks, talked to the girl, left. What about you? SolarTech's going ahead with the presentation.
2: <laughs> That's crazy.
3: Officer
1: Haldane, I've continued to check out the little lady's assets. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh,
3: she was present in the bar on the previous night also. Wait a minute. Who's there with her? Isolate the guy on the left. All right, now clarify and define. Vela. Well, well, well. Sure knows how to pick him.
2: To- so, uh, I never quite understood with this story why Rodan decided, you know, knowing he had this big... Uh, important demonstration of the Luxurian ice to give to the Energy Commission. Why he decided to go out and get absolutely sloshed um, just a night or two before. But hey ho, that's already happened. He's dead.
6: Oh, this is unexpected.
2: I don't have him to worry about. I just have. Uh, but Jack Sylvain to uh,
6: Jack. It is then. I, I was
2: just to cause problems.
6: My
3: partner thinks that you had something to do with uh, Tarn's death last night.
6: Well. I found the body.
3: Yeah, right. That's what I told Brogan, but. Well, we saw you on uh, security recordings at the bar.
6: You better come in then.
2: And this actress playing Sylvain, her name's Alison Fielding. I'm not aware that I've seen any of her work. Her IMDb.
6: You saw me with the other guys, right?
2: CV only credits her as uh, six roles um, through the early to mid 90s. Why
6: do you suppose that is, hmm?
2: So I don't know what her, her natural voice sounds like, but
5: You're a pro.
6: <laughs> no way. I'm very flattered, officer, but it's This
2: this voice is clearly not hers, and I think we've said this many times before. The dubbing just sinks. So many characters on this show, particularly female.
3: Brogan, are you buying this? Not with your money. A hooker without a rap sheet? I don't think so. How about you, Took?
6: I'm not getting anything from her. We're too far away.
2: Yet Brogan, Took, and Castle are parked in cruisers at the bottom of the uh, tower block where Sylvain lives.
6: I'm gonna be sick.
2: While Haldane's up, uh...
6: Two. Should we go for the heart of gold bit and make it a hat trick?
2: Engaging in cliches with, uh, okay. with Sylvain. There you went. And whoever's voice that is.
6: You don't give up, do you, Officer Haldane? All right, I'll make you some coffee. But it's the only thing that's free around here.
1: Deal
2: yeah for a family show this is a very uh, very strange uh, character
6: where exactly on earth are you from
2: to include USA by way of New York City
6: how'd you end up doing what you do
3: Yeah, you know, I was going to ask you the same thing
2: let's have a discussion about it
6: sad rap about the good girl gone bad in the big city but the truth is I left home when I was young and I've been playing Miss Feelgood ever since do we really have to listen to this
2: because Sylvain has spotted the police cruisers from her window so she's um, spiked Haldane's drink here. You see... Um, There's clearly nothing in the cup that Rob Youngblood is holding.
6: Which means there's no money in it. Do you want some sugar with that?
0: Um, yeah, please.
6: Anyway, when another girl suggests...
2: But for nothing in the cup, it's uh, having a bit of an unpleasant effect on him.
6: Not many working girls can afford a crib this nice, you know. I found the sugar.
2: Oh, he's having some sort of attack. And Sylvain, realizing she's being monitored,
6: you is that okay?
2: Just keeps chatting away, but now she has a little headset I thingy. Don't
6: want to make it too sweet for you. All right. You see, what they don't realize is this place is good for business.
2: And she's gonna steal his brain.
7: Rogan, is this conversation sounding a little one-sided to you?
3: Yeah. It's not like Haldane to be at a loss for words around a woman.
2: But now we're coming up on a very cool bit.
3: Come on, Haldane, say something.
2: I mean I do like the idea of this scene that uh,
6: I got a funny feeling about this one, guys.
2: They're completely in the dark as to what's happened to him.
6: What are you doing? We're going in.
2: The castle just goes straight up to the roof. Vertically in the cruiser.
6: It's been a slice, Jack.
2: Sylvain's got whatever she needed from Haldane's brain. He's now got one of those uh, marks on his temple. A
6: good idea. Closer.
2: And Took and castle are positioning their cruiser over Sylvain's flat so Castle can jump through. Landing on a floor that's already covered with glass, presumably from previous takes. Haldane Brogan is Oh, he's been outsmarted by Sylvain. She was apparently hiding in a cupboard. And she has made her escape. Although she's probably not going to get far in that outfit, she could uh, she could stand to put on a jacket or something because it's probably going to be a bit cold out there. Wearing um, not much as she is. And back at the station house,
3: we found this when we searched the apartment. This is a centric mind probe,
1: massive neurological trauma. <laughs> Damn it! I can't believe my own stupidity, Captain. The Centurions used these on Creon prisoners during the Thalassic Wars to gain vital strategic information. Yeah, oh, backstory. More than that, I'm afraid. That's nice. It can completely remove the contents of a mind, causing almost instant death.
6: But Haldane's alive.
1: Ah, I guess he was lucky. You must have interrupted her. So, Haldane's mind is inside that thing? Ah no, that would be too easy. She's got another pro. You see these indicators? A Centric Mind Probe can hold up to five minds.
3: You just count the indicators. This one's empty. I'm lost here. She can tap into his mind whenever she wants?
1: Yep. By pressing these contacts against the side of your head, you can access any of the minds that are stored inside the probe.
7: So Sylvain can now plug
6: into Haldane's mind, and the mind of Solotech's head of security.
1: Yeah, she's got Bella Sugai's mind too. One of the most notorious jewel thieves in Demeter City. Or was.
2: That's a nice idea for her.
1: It all adds up to one thing.
2: For a device in a story.
1: And it's on display tonight in the Energy Commission.
2: It's, it's kind of almost a shame that it's in this story, and it's kind of lost in amongst the uh, muddle of everything else. <laughs> and outside Demeter City Hall, we're still protesting. Lots of uh, lots of these poor old extras with um, very unfortunate hair and facial tattoos, but also Sally and Matter here.
6: Being a mom. What are you doing here? Where's Halding?
2: Uh, he couldn't make it. Look, I'm on duty. I gotta go. Try and stay at I of don't, the- don't the- really like you guys. Just leave me alone.
3: Fusion power! power! Yep,
2: yeah, lots of protesters outside the hall as the demonstration begins.
3: Clear. Fusion power has done the job we were hired to do. Renew our franchise for the next ten years, and our proven and reliable hyperfusion process will continue to keep Demeter City working. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Mr. Zeller, and now Miss uh, Miss Newmar of Solar Tech Enterprises.
2: Yes, and as I said before, um, Newmar is played by. For the
7: last ten years.
2: Sheila Ruskin, who.
7: The city have had to live in fear.
2: Has had a long and uh,
7: a micro-
2: successful and varied career.
7: Reactor could contaminate the whole city. In but a micro- I
2: have never seen a performance of hers where she's been uh, she's been using this voice. Is
7: a chance to be free of that fear.
2: And unlike Alison Fielding, I'm not I'm not 100% convinced that this is not her voice. It might have been. It's obviously dubbed.
7: But, has the solution.
2: but it might be her providing the dubbing. Turn
7: your attention to the screen.
2: But she clearly wasn't wasn't using this accent in the recording.
7: At SolarTech's new orbital, state-of-the-art, unmanned and fully automated solar power station.
2: It's pretty. And meanwhile, there's a suspicious chap outside with a black suit mouth, on.
7: The galaxy's first ever solar to plasma converter. This has been made possible by Solatec's discovery of Luxorian ice.
2: I mean, the, the voice doesn't even match the, the movements of the mouth at all on some lines. And it, that was also evident on, um, on Sylvain in the apartment just there.
7: Due to its perfect telecentricity, Luxurian ice absorbs sunlight as easily as a living organism draws air.
2: But, uh, yeah, Sheila Ruskin was, uh, was also in A Doctor Who. She was in uh, Keeper of Traken.
7: Plasma energy, which in turn is...
2: And also in things like Blake 7 and uh, The Professionals and lots of other things you'll have seen if you're in the UK or you, you like quality television.
7: Throughout this process, its temperature remains absolute...
2: And the dubbing is particularly noticeable through this scene because she's just got so much to say during this demonstration. She's now putting a glass of water on top of the luxuriant ice.
7: Freeze! Hold him right there! Excuse me, Lieutenant, he's part of my demonstration.
2: But I didn't have him here earlier because I, I, I. Shut up! Yeah, why not just have him there to start with? Rather than have all these shots of him pointlessly sneaking around looking sinister. But he has proven that... uh, Not
7: even the superheated hydrocarbons from this torch can raise the temperature of this very special ice.
2: Yeah, what she said. The glass of water is now frozen.
7: Ice, ladies and gentlemen. Efficient, inexpensive... Cold. ...and safe.
3: Brilliant.
1: What do you think? It's really cold. A very impressive pitch, Miss Newmar, but uh, how do we know it really works?
7: As Mr. Zeller would say, "Talk is cheap." So, if you'd care to look at the screen, I'll show you.
2: More lovely models.
7: You should be able to make out the pyramid outline of SolarTech's new headquarters. It's about where?
2: Oh, what you mean—the massive skyscraper that's impossible to miss? Yeah. yeah.
7: Watch closely.
2: Yeah, Sheila, Sheila Ruskin was actually doing a... I don't know if you can see it acting, and on the screen was this great big massive model that completely blots out the sun. But this is some lovely stuff. The uh, space station beaming the uh, energy from the Luxurian Ice down to the Collector. And it lights up the whole uh, complex. This is a lovely model. And uh, again, this is one of the the... the the real strength of this episode is in the, the effects. Nehemiah's looking very pleased with herself, as well she might.
1: Thank you, Mr. Well, certainly an impressive demonstration.
2: And except for this chairman guy, most of the committee are, are fairly uh, unfortunate-looking characters. There's uh, a couple of human guys with, you know, the strange facial tattoos, and there's some uh, Creon and Tan heads that clearly aren't articulated at all. And now the beam from the space station has, uh, has gone off the path of the collector. It's now tearing through the city. It nearly took out the interchem building. Better shut that thing down! C- from Flash.
7: Automated! Well then, close it down yourself! What the hell do you think I'm trying to do?
2: Mamma mia! I mean, um, what? Oh. Oh, yep. Yeah. Gone straight through the skyscraper. Oh. And some very nice... Shots here as well of, of live-action people panicking in the streets in front of model shots. The uh, committee, the uh, the uh, awful extras—they're all running for their lives.
7: come
3: Romac, you get the ice and make sure nobody comes near it. What about Solar Tech Security? Especially now.
2: What about my dating subplot? See if you can get the demonstrators to disperse. And tell Tuk to set up by the elevator. Nobody comes in or out. Yeah, that's strange. We don't see uh, Sally and Matt while all this is going on. I wouldn't have minded seeing them uh, running for their lives. This is so nasty, yep, some, uh, some running people got crushed there by falling debris. It's all looking very bad for Demeter City.
6: You were a tough act to follow, Numar.
2: Oh dear, there she is. I hope
6: my little demonstration got your attention too. We've got it. Now what do you want? Simple. One cylinder of Luxurian ice is already here, now I want the other one, and I want it brought to me by hostage. That's how it's done, right?
3: And if we refuse?
6: I'd hate to be in Demeter when the plasma beam slices through Fusion Power's reactor.
3: What? You're insane! Can't let some maniac hold our city captive like this! Insane?
6: Maniac? Okay, here's a crazy idea, Mr. Zeller. Since you're so righteous, you can be the hostage. How does that sound?
3: Not good, Sylvain.
6: Ah, Lieutenant Brogan, well, you certainly get around.
2: Sylvain is now in another ridiculous outfit, needless to say.
6: What I can't do, let's consider my frame of mind. Or should I say, minds?
3: I know your mind, Sylvain. Of course you do.
6: And as your partner would say, let's cut to the chase, Brogan. Then cut to it. You're so predictable, Brogan. I feel I've known you for years. Now you're going to say you need time to think about my offer. So I'll tell you what,
7: you've got five minutes. But It's just
2: enough time for her to change into another new outfit.
7: I should go. My company created Luxurian and the power station she's taken over.
3: I can't let you do that.
7: Two
2: such obviously dubbed characters in the same place. It's just gonna cause a disaster
7: You suggest that we do
2: the Solotech logo on uh, Newmars ID badge by the way looks a lot like the GoldenEye logo I'm sorry, Mr. Zeller. It's not gonna work. I'm not exactly jumping up and down to the thought myself
3: But we're out of options here
2: (laughs) And that's that's a good example of why you know, I feel so sorry for Sheila Ruskin and Alison Fielding in this episode because Tom Chadbon is giving a really good performance, and because it's his own voice, you completely buy into it. Whereas Sylvain and Newmar are just completely undermined by Me and the
3: eyes. ...the redubbing. Hey,
2: baby. Anyway, you
3: are incredible.
2: Duggan and uh, Luxury and Ice are here on the station with Sylvain, and of course, because we knew he was rolling around in bed with her earlier,
3: we uh, we have one remaining security problem.
2: They were in on this together.
3: You. Now that SolarTech is finished, Fusion Power will retain the energy franchise. So I have no further need of your services. Think about it. When the dust settles, I'll be a hero. Great, huh? Sorry, babe.
2: Oh dear.
6: You're so predictable, Max. Vain men always are.
2: It's her catchphrase this episode.
6: This one works.
2: <laughs> You're so predictable, so and so.
6: We'll talk while you get the ice.
2: Ooh. And then you do what?
6: I'll cover you.
2: So she's got one canister of ice from the demonstration. Now she's sending Duggan in to get the one from the room with the death traps. And of course, because she's got Sugoi's mind at her fingertips, she can see where the death traps are. Teeth cannot. Sylvain. So
6: Get the ice.
2: Why does she. Well, I don't know what she wants the ice for now. Or is she just going to leave the solar system and, uh, and uh, spoil everybody's day? She's already spoiling Duggan's day. Oh, was that the right tile? It's as exciting as death to the Daleks, this, watching these floor tiles. All the five doctors even. And that's it. He's gone. So all we can say is You
6: are a great lover, Max.
2: That or
6: Bye bye, Duggan! It's hard to find a man you can trust, isn't it, Lieutenant? Come on, Brogan. I've got your partner here, remember?
2: oh uh, so Brogan's stuck onto the station as well. He's
6: up here on his own. You hid in the limo right?
2: And again, going back to how the dubbing just undermines these performances, Alison Fielding's manic eye acting
6: Just like when the Tepper brothers blew that bank job back in Queens
2: is really something to see. She's she's a really good fit for the character physically
6: When He was assigned to go in as a hostage
2: But just the... But you The voice is killing it
6: He'll is 15 minutes by hiding beneath the rear seat
2: I mean, that and the fact that she's dressed been like, been like, I don't know
6: Everything you're gonna do Funny how the
3: mind plays tricks on you, isn't it, Sylvain?
2: Oh, and who's
3: this? You don't know
7: everything, huh? like the fact that your little toy malfunctioned. That was a nasty thing you did, little lady.
2: Oh, this is clever. Making her think you that she didn't know. get all of Haldane. <laughs> but really, he's being worked.
3: broken like I know broken.
2: Took, Fredo, and uh, another Tarn surgeon are working his mouth, and slow mos providing the voice. Giving Brogan enough time to... Turn on the lights and overpower her. Oh, no, because she kicked him in the nuts. Um, is this the first time we've uh, ever seen one Jerry Anderson character kick another in the nuts? Oh, and Brogan's just elbowed her in the face. And taken the uh, headset thingy, but... The station is uh, powering up the beam again, and it's slicing across the bay.
3: Okay, Captain. I've got her, and I've got the mine probe. No, not the mine's probe. All right, but you've got a bigger problem now. The
1: beam's been activated. You've got to try and shot it down. I don't know where to start. Come on, Brogan, think. You've got Solar Tech Security Chief right there with you.
2: Wonder what they actually do with the mines of uh, Rodan and Sugoi. After all this is over,
3: okay. I got Rodin.
2: you Just leave them in the machine, or can they do something with them? Again, it's one of those things in the story that's never really explored.
1: The beams still are. What's happening?
3: I don't know. Sylvain's so shot must have disabled the control system.
1: You've got to do something, Brogan!
2: The ice. Yes, if you remove the ice, then uh, the station loses all power. Luckily, Brogan can now... Ah.
6: Is there anything you'd like to tell me about uh, Mr. Trask, maybe?
2: Ah. Oh. Aldane, flashing back to a conversation that he wasn't part of. That was a clip from Enforcer, where um, Castle is interviewing the little girl. Very random moment to pick, yes. Uh, uh, Brogan has now got access to um, Sugoi's memory of the floor tiles and also Rodan's memory of... Sugoi being caught by the little immobilising beam, so he has to work his way across the floor, avoiding the tiles and also be ready to shoot the uh, beam projector. Oh, and now it's cutting through some warehouses. Lovely explosions. I would actually much rather watch what's going on in Demeter City rather than uh, rather than what's going on on the space station, to be honest
3: friend. Don't let me down.
2: My long and trusted, much established friend that I've never mentioned before this episode. Uh, Bergen's nearly there. Um, he only decided to pick up one glove to handle the ice. He needs his other three to uh, work the mind probe and have his gun ready.
3: Very good, fella. But not
5: good enough.
2: Well, it's always fun when a character has to uh, watch things that we've already seen. And he watches it happen several times so that he fully understands what he has to do. I also don't, what, why is um, just having the military blow up the station not an option, really? Oh, okay. oh who knows? Brogan luckily shot out the uh, beam thingy. And now he's gonna take the ice. Which looks a lot, actually, like the uh, seed from Death Watch I wonder if it was uh, the same, the same prop they reused later on. But he's done it. Yours. Let's say we call it a day, Haldane. And that was another uh, clip from an old episode as well. That was uh, Haldane and Castle talking about scars. I'm not. Tr- I can't remember what episode that's from. Naughty me. So in the medical room, sick bay, whatever.
6: I'm amazed you survived it, and I'm glad you're back.
3: Yeah, now you've learned what a bad woman can really do to you. <laughs> Did you get her? Sylvain? Yeah. Out like a light.
2: i her in their face after she kicked me in the balls.
3: Stop by Linda Segoy's and let her know that Bella was just an innocent
2: victim. And maybe I'll give her his mind or something. I don't know what else I'll do with it, really.
1: Hey, Dad, I hear uh, Solar Tech's going to get the energy franchise.
2: Well,
3: yeah, as soon as they work out some bugs in their security system.
1: Power to the people, Dad. It just shows if enough people get together and protest, they can really make a difference. Well,
2: that's You good. had literally no impact on this story at all, but, uh, you know, you keep thinking that if you want to pretend you're a vital part of this series.
1: I'm gonna call
7: Nasi right now.
2: And we have one last subplot to wrap up.
7: The 411 shuttle from Demeter City is arriving in Docking Bay number three.
2: Yep, Remy w- went ahead and uh, contacted a lady.
5: Just remember, what you see ain't always
3: what you get. What are you talking about, Oren? Hey, you know how easy it is to touch up a picture.
2: You just say enhance. Uh-oh.
1: No way. I'm out
2: of here. Oh, uh, yep, yeah, he saw.
7: Excuse me, but who do I see about posting bail for my husband?
2: That lady and thought it was his girl. Whereas, in fact, there's this, uh, creature. Excuse me,
6: the sergeant told me this is where I would find Officer
7: Ramek
2: eyes almost popping out of her skull.
7: At your service.
2: (laughs) Ah, there we go. So, um, well, a happy ending for Orin, presumably, and that was Space Precinct, The Power, which is, oh, it's, it's an episode that I know could be better than it is, and so much of why it doesn't work is that annoying dubbing. I, I don't know to what extent removing all that dubbing would save it. Uh, certainly a lot of it, the, the scenes in the Energy Commission and so on, look very cheap. It's just you know, this tiny room with a few um, dismal-looking extras in. The effects, as always, um, are, are are really superb, I think, in this episode. They've really nailed the whole um, you know, keep shooting it at nighttime. That's the best way to make the city look, uh, look real and, uh, and interesting. So... Never one of my favourites of Space Precinct, unfortunately. Uh, I wonder what old Richard James has to make of this one. I didn't mean to call him old either. Why do I keep calling people old? What's that about? Hey.
0: Ooh, well, hey? and that Come makes on. you happy
4: when it's Space Breathing, doesn't it? Oh,
0: yeah, not so happy that it's the power, though. Not, not our finest hour, I'm afraid. I don't think. Personally. Space Breathing
4: the power, not their finest hour. Yeah.
0: Nice. No, exactly nice. right. Why isn't? is that? Yeah, but uh, Well, uh, do you know, uh, I suppose, I mean this is probably a terrible thing to say, the director was Sidney Hayes, uh, who had in his time I think worked on things like The A-Team and Knight mm. Rider, but by the time he came to us, and this is awful because we had, uh, you know, some great directors, but I think he was a little past his prime, didn't really understand the concept. I mean, I remember him falling asleep more than once at the monitor. Uh, you'd be doing a scene and waiting for the waiting for cut, and it would never come. And we'd all look over, and there he was nodding off in the corner. So uh, perhaps a little underpowered, I think, as a director. I don't know. Maybe that's unfair because he then went on to direct uh, Predator and Prey later in the run, which is a very nice episode. So hey, maybe I'm mean being unfair.
4: You probably are. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <probably. laughs> But, uh, well, you can't have strong episodes of every single time, can you, for, no, for a series?
0: No, no. So. Oh, no. And also, it's, is, isn't that the one with the, uh, oh, is it, oh, I can't remember the character's name. I'm sure Chris mentioned it a few times. She's a prostitute, essentially, and uh, that's very difficult, I think, for a, a show that's aiming itself at children. Uh, you know, there's a bed scene in it that uh, had to be, the set had to be cleared, uh, you know, to shoot that. And it was all a little bit kind of, well, what what sort of show are we making here? Very odd. Yeah, but sometimes these things are problematic and uh, reflected
4: on screen, unfortunately. So there we go.
0: Indeed, never yep, mind. Yeah, interesting though.
4: Uh, thank you, Chris. If you want to follow Chris on Twitter, then you should follow him at ChrisDarlick on said Twitter. Uh, yes. And if you want to listen to standalone randomizers, which many of you may well do, that's fine. We don't we don't mind. Yeah. Um, then just yeah. search on your podcast app of choice for Jerry Anderson Randomizer, and you will be able to get a weekly dose every Sunday. Nice it is you're right yeah absolutely good okay well all right are we rushing towards the end of this pod 151 of the Jerry anderson podcast i mean i'm getting that sense too yeah to be honest yeah see yeah. that was my my calendar just popping up there saying you've got a, a, a meeting podcast. shortly so yeah yeah fair i guess we should wrap this all up right. if you've got oh, a, okay. anything to say email us podcast uk. make sure you leave us a rating and a review and we love seeing yep. those things and so please do that and then yeah. share it with your friends and anything else and um that's it isn't it richard
0: that's it, yes.
4: Come on. OK, we better go. Thanks, bye. Bye.
7: Stage one complete. Let's go.
0: Well, that was a bit of a rush, wasn't it? I know.
4: Well, I actually am... It's one minute past, and I'm supposed to be on another call. So I, yes, I actually well, probably right. should Gosh. go, and we should well, stop doing this post-credit yeah. stuff because it's. I mean, I wouldn't want to up, hold you up because it's, it's taking valuable really,
0: time. Yeah, sounds really important. Have I mean, you got what anything you were, to get to? What What if you were to miss the meeting? What I mean, that would be awful, wouldn't it? Well, actually, but ramifications I, would be terrible. I'm just thinking about it, and
4: maybe yeah. there's something to be said mm. for turning up fashionably late
0: ah especially if you say i've just been doing a podcast yes i'm
4: terribly yeah. sorry we've just been recording a podcast yes. it's our 151st right. episode you know <laughs>
0: yeah um, last yeah. week it was our sesquicentennial <laughs> episode.
4: sesquicentennial yeah that's it yes you could oh, say that, that would still be okay fine i'll do yeah. that but i really better go so have a All great right. day thank you
3: very much Goodbye. Yes. hope it goes well bye you have been listening to the jerry anderson podcast
0: wasn't it fun <laughs> You have been listening to an Anderson Entertainment production.